day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, you or your son or your daughter, your male servant or your female servant, or your livestock, or the sojourner who is within your gates. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea and all that is in them, and rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. The New Testament reading is from the book of Luke, chapter 13. Now he was teaching in one of the synagogues on the Sabbath. And behold, there was a woman who had had a disabling spirit for eighteen years. She was bent over and could not fully straighten herself. When Jesus saw her, he called her over and said to her, Woman, you are freed from your disability. And he laid his hands on her, and immediately she was made straight, and she glorified God. But the ruler of the synagogue, indignant because Jesus had healed on the Sabbath, said to the people, There are six days in which work ought to be done. Come on those days and be healed, and not on the Sabbath day. Then the Lord answered him, You hypocrites! Does not each of you on the Sabbath untie his ox or his donkey from the manger, and lead it away to water it? And ought not this woman, a daughter of Abraham, whom Satan bound for eighteen years, be loosed from this bond on the Sabbath day? As he said these things, all his adversaries were put to shame, and all the people rejoiced at all the glorious things that were done by him. This is the word of the Lord. Please be seated. Well, today is the most exciting day of the year. It's Sunday. (laughs) That's a little bit what our message is on today to talk about that very point. Uh, When I say things like um, uh, Christmas, uh, what pops into your head? For a lot of people, it might be the birth of Christ, but for a lot of people, it's, oh no, shopping and wrapping presents. Uh, If I say Thanksgiving... Uh, some of you may think, oh no, it's dirty dishes and driving in a car for a long time or, or being stuck in a tight con- place with, with my family. For many other people, if I say worship on Sunday, uh, for many, many people, the feeling might not be one of joyful expectation. It might be one of fear and dread or annoyance or please let it snow more so we can have a delay. Today's message is really about uh, understanding the, what Sabbath is and why Christ is bringing the Sabbath to us, why we need the Sabbath, why it should be the most exciting, every Sunday should be the most exciting Sunday, the most exciting moments of the year. Please pray with me. Heavenly Father, we pray now. We thank you for this time. Holy Spirit, we ask that you would come here. Lord, we ask for um, all the children and the teachers upstairs that you would um, proclaim yourself, that they would know you better. Lord, we pray that in this room here, you would take your word, reveal it to our hearts and minds, so we may know you better, all to your glory. Pray this in the name of your son, Jesus Christ. Amen. That is our our chief end. That is our hope today. So we're looking at Exodus 28 through 11. And uh, to get our centered around, remember what we said, I said in some ways you could look at, some people like to divide the Ten Commandments between the first four about God, the second six are about um, men, or as I said one time, the first one is about God, and the next nine are about how to figure out the first one. Uh, One commentator said, really, uh, this commandment is about trying to figure out the second commandment, um, which is how to worship. So we can look at them differently. But today is about the Sabbath. The day of the week we set aside uh, to worship and and to come corporately together. The image, I think we want to, to get where we're going, I want you guys to have in your mind is um, the importance of centering yourself around something. 
I think it's very apropos when we talk about Northern Virginia, you have to make sure you make decisions based on traffic patterns or it can change everything. And so whenever you're making plans, you're always making sure that traffic is in mind and you're immediately reminded when you forget about traffic patterns and road closures. When we were living in London, every weekend, uh, massive parts of the underground were always shut off and you had to have apps on to make sure what are shutting off because if you were planning to get there from the underground you realized you might not have to take a bus or walk or some other form of transportation it centers around it and what the, the essence of what this is talking about here just to jump into it is this is about centering a little bit so the commandment starts off remember the sabbath day to keep it holy six days you are to labor and do all of your work but the seventh day is a sabbath to the lord your god on it you shall not do any work, you, your son, or your daughter, your male servant, your female servant, your livestock, or the sojourner who is within your gates. For in six days the Lord made the heaven and the sea and all that is in them and rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the seventh day and made it holy. So the two words, if you want to sum up, how, do we, how, do we, how are we doing this? What's the, um, what are we trying to accomplish here is these two words. If you're making notes, remember and holy. In essence, what this commandment is telling us to do is our God is to remember and to make this holy. God is holy, but our goal is to, on the Sabbath day, remember who God is and to also focus in on holiness. These are our two chief ends in terms of Sabbath worship. You want to know, am I doing, how is Sabbath, how is this happening with me? Are you, what are you remembering? And what does holiness have to do with it? One commentator pointed out that Uh, Sabbath for them was a covenantal reminder. Just like circumcision was a reminder you're a part of the covenantal community. Uh, Sabbath was a very uh, physical way of reminding you were part of something different. It was a reminder that worship, worshiping the Lord God, was special and different. Got it? It was was a community reminder because everything you did during the week pointed to this particular event. Another commentator said that this uh, Sabbath was both ceremonial and that it was prescriptive. It was very clearly designed what it was supposed to look like, but also um, descriptive in that it was supposed to also just um, work its way out, pointing towards the moral. So again, it was uh, supposed to be ceremonial and helping us understand God's moral heart. Remember, all the commandments were there to push us towards our awe and push us towards our need for God. And this one was no different. It showed us how Sabbath was supposed to look, but also was pushing towards what was going on inside of our heart. So to sum it up, what is the Sabbath? It's a day of rest. It's a day of rest. The aim, the aim of the Sabbath was one day a week to recenter your life. Right? So I talked about traffic patterns. You do it all the time. You always are centering around what's going on in traffic. And God has said, I'm giving you one day a week to rebalance, recenter your life around what should be the most important relationship in your life. One day in seven to balance it all out. So the next question would be, where do we get this? Where do we see this unfolding? Well, you see here uh, in the passage itself that we see it comes from Genesis. In the book of Genesis, we see God created in six days, and on the seventh day, he rested. He was enjoying the wonderful things he had done. 
It's a pattern, we believe, that was established before. So in Scripture, if you know your history, if you're not, just, just sum it up pretty quickly. Um, we believe man and woman were created in the garden, and what we had there was special. But because of sin, we lost that. And so God had to work, miraculously, bring us his moral heart and the Ten Commandments so we would know him and find him because sin has distorted that. But you see this rest, the Sabbath rest, came before the fall. So its significance is immense. We see it's something God always intended for us to have. And because of sin, we had lost it. And so one of the beauty, one of the marvelous things that this commandment is saying is I'm bringing to you something wonderful. This thing called Sabbath. I'm bringing you a moment to recenter your heart, your mind, your faith on the Lord. Because you need it. It's supposed to look like a moment of the Old Testament word of shalom, peace. Peace on the outside, peace on the inside. It's a moment where we are striving for this shalom. So the next um, question is, how did they use it? Well, it started off that um, following this commandment was an act of devotion. Got it? Following this was an act of devotion. So as they were trying to live out what this commandment was saying, it was an act of devotion. Following it meant it was coming from a place of devotion, but what, tended, what started to happen was following from a heart of devotion began to switch. And devotion was because you followed it. And that's how they abused it. So how it started off was that it was a result of devotion. And how did they start abusing it or misusing it? Was that now devotion was a result of following, not the other way around. And when that switched happened, when those north and south poles switched, it messed all the internal compasses up. So much like us. So then what had to happen was it, the way you viewed scripture, the way you viewed the, the, the Ten Commandments, again, it was no longer something that was bringing life to your hearts. It was now something you had to do. And as that happened, especially with the Sabbath, they were, realized that they couldn't really, in essence, do what the Sabbath was wanting them to do. So the idea was, let's create other laws, other rules that we can follow and that would make it look like we're keeping this one. Isn't that great? And so uh, there, they created the 39 Melikots. Uh, churches now, even some, some uh, Orthodox churches, even now, how they, there's an image they like to do with the periodic table. <laughs> and so they, they've divided everything we see, uh, how it kind of talks about, into these 39 categories. And all these categories have subcategories. And the idea, again, being, I, I'm not sure about getting the Sabbath thing right, but I'll get all these things right, and that'll probably make me feel good about this particular fourth commandment. This way they viewed, really, uh, the, especially in this time, how they viewed a lot of the Old Testament. There were 613 um, uh, uh, technically commands that God gave when he uh, presented the law to Moses, in addition to the 10. So 613, and they would say, let's focus on these. These 10 seem to be kind of hard to follow, so we'll come up with another way. And it became more about these other things than the heart. And again, as you lose the heart, as you lose the compass, what it's about, it's supposed to point you to your need for God. How great God is, and as it points you away, you lose focus. 
So I said the first aim, as they understood, and this was good, the first aim, and they, they did right, is that it was supposed to um, balance your life, bring harmony. And the next aim is that following this, this is what they did right, though, is that the, the aim also is that following this really sets you apart culturally. It sets you apart. It, was, it made you different in a good way. Because God was saying, I need you to focus on this one day. Your goal isn't to make it to Friday night, to use in our vernacular. Um, our goal is to make it to Sunday. When I was working in London, there were so many people. When I was working in L.A., I saw so many people. When I was working up in Boston, I saw it even uh, when I was working at the church in Myrtle Beach. I see it, the, the work culture. People are just living for the weekend. What they're living for is that when they're off work Friday night, they want to play hard. They want to work hard and then play hard. And what this commandment is saying is that our, our aim should be something far greater, more, more wonderful, more fulfilling. And it doesn't come on Friday night. It comes when the church comes together to worship on Sunday. Another thing that another commentator pointed out was that um, they understood very well was that ignoring the Sabbath on some level Ignoring the importance of the Sabbath on some level connected with you ignoring the importance of God. Get it? So they, they in a good way, they understood, they associated the, the, the passion for Sabbath was a microcosm of your passion for God. And so they understood that the less important Sabbath became to you, um, there was a direct correlation to how important God was to you. Now again, we, as I mentioned, where they went wrong with that was they begin to view it as these other laws. If you weren't keeping these other laws, that's why it wasn't important to you. But what they did understand was that making Sabbath special and exciting and the point of, focus point of your week was related to how you did that with God on every other day of the week. And that's where they're moving. But again, as like I said, they, as their magnetic poles switched, and it wasn't about the devotion. It was about the following. They begin to miss not only the intent, but also the joy of the commandment. And that's where we need to look at now what Christ is trying to bring to us in the book of Luke. So if we go to Luke chapter 13, we see Luke is doing something, uh, Jesus is doing something uh, pretty intense. This is a common thing for Jesus to do. On the Sabbath, um, Jesus liked to do things that would upend what people thought you're supposed to do because he's saying, we've been doing it wrong. I'm here to let you know this is what it's supposed to look like. This is what it's supposed to be about. I call this the Chick-fil-A portion of the sermon. How many of you, uh, maybe some of you avoid fast food altogether, um, which is great, but everyone, I can't count how many times uh, I've been hungry on a Sunday and I see there's no line at the Chick-fil-A and I drive in and the drive-thru and only realize, oh wait, it's Sunday, they're not open. I go, Argh! I'm like, wait, I should be happy, but uh. <laughs> as we're talking about this again, Christ is saying we need to understand the intent, the purpose, and the meaning so that actually the Sabbath will be for you what it's supposed to be. Again, not a burden to throw you into the ground, but really a stepping stool to raise you up closer to how wonderful he is. So Luke 13, 10 through... Uh, Luke 10 through 13. Now he was teaching in one of the synagogues on the Sabbath. 
And there was a woman who had a disabling spirit for the 18 years. She was bent over and could not fully straighten herself. When Jesus saw her, he called over to her and said to her, Woman, you are freed from your disability. An older translation would say, Woman, thou art loosed. And he laid his hands on her, and immediately she was made straight, and she glorified God. So what we're looking at now, how does, how does the gospel see the Sabbath? Well, to put it quite simply, we believe that the resurrection changes everything. Abraham Lincoln, when talking about the Sabbath, said this, As we keep or break the Sabbath day, we nobly save or meanly lose the last best hope by which man rises. John Owen, a famous Puritan, when trying to talk about the importance of Sabbath, the role of the Sabbath, he said, uh, uh, I, I realized when I was reading this for uh, that course I taught, I realized that I'm, on Easter or Christmas, I, I've even said, like, this is our Super Bowl. And I realized they would, they, if, if Owen, you know, were still around, he'd be really old. But if he were still around, he would say, Chris, that's not right. Every Sunday is our Super Bowl. Every Sunday is our Super Bowl. We should say not that Easter reminds us of the Super Bowl. The Super Bowl reminds us of what happens every Sunday. They see it stemming from, again, the creation ordinance in Genesis, that this is something God has wanted from the beginning, not just a side mistake. This is what he's always wanted for us. This was a goal. This was a hope. This was a purpose. And we've lost it. So how does the gospel see it? Again, the, we believe the marks. So you're like, well, what is what's supposed to happen on the Sabbath? Again, we've, we're talking about corporate worship where the people of God come together. We celebrate the word. We celebrate the sacraments. We celebrate discipline. We celebrate the rule of the Lord in our hearts. It's something that only happens when the church comes together. You can do things on your home and on your own. You can do things during the week. But when the church comes together, we believe something special happens. It is a small picture a very small taste of something, or I would say, to use more biblical language, it is just a shadow of what we're going to be experiencing in eternity. And we should be so excited to come together to just get a little taste of what's coming. That's what's supposed to be happening. That's the mark. That's what it's doing again. And so when we see here in this passage, really, just so you know, there were, when, we t- when, when Jesus cast or healed um, it was, it was, sometimes he needed to cast out spirits. Sometimes he healed people just, and there was nothing, their illness had nothing to do with, with anything spiritual. And we see here, there's a little bit of both. Um, as uh, one uh, commentator uh, put it, that he said this, it's not that she was um, evil, this illness uh, was evil. And Jesus was casting that out. J.C. Rao, famous bishop of Liverpool, um, just threw out a side note, and he was talking about this, and he knew it was moving towards Sabbath, but he goes, wow, here's a woman who for 18 years um, couldn't stand, and yet she worshipped every Sabbath. And he said, oh, to think the excuses I hear why people can't come on Sabbath. Just saying. I won't put them up, but I have some funny text messages. Um, but, again, it shows the, the, the passion for Sabbath. And the only thing I want to point out here, again, is that, that, but that Jesus comes to her. She doesn't come to Christ. What every, everyone notices when they read this passage, she was not doing well. And Jesus sees her 
on the Sabbath and says, I'm coming to you. We're getting a little small picture of what the Sabbath is about. Not about us. About something far greater. Let's read now verses 14 and 15. But the ruler of the synagogue, indignant because Jesus had healed on the Sabbath, said to the people, there are six days in which work ought to be done. Come on those days and be healed, and not on the Sabbath day. This reminds me, you guys can probably see where this is going, but where this reminds me of, there is a, it is, it is a, the Super Bowl today, and I have, one, I have one football analogy that I find kind of funny because it's about the Dallas Cowboys um, and uh, messing up. I'm a Redskins fan. And when the Cowboys, there was a moment when the Cowboys had just won a couple Super Bowls in a row, in a row. And they were starting their, their triumphant run to maybe win a third in a row, something never been done before. And there is a, a, a personality dispute between the coach and the owner. Let me say it again. Between the coach and the owner. Who wins that argument 100% of the time? The owner. Exactly. And the coach was fired. And they did not win the Super Bowl that year. Here we have the ruler of the synagogue trying to contemplate the meaning of the Sabbath with the ruler of the universe. It's not going to go well for him. But as I think about that, where are you? Are you on that level too? Are you trying to argue with the ruler of the universe how important Sabbath should be? Because that's what he's doing here. The Westminster Larger, um, we have our, our, we mentioned it in the ordination. Our church has uh, denominational standards. We, it's the Westminster Standards, a document written uh, uh, over in Westminster in London. Um, and we believe it just contains really well, theologically, what we see the scripture teaching. And the catechisms are Q&A, questions and answers to help us understand this. And the one pertaining to uh, the Sabbath kind of boils it down to basically saying this. You are not to waste the day, when it comes to the Sabbath, you're not to waste the day by being idle, nor are you to waste the day by being busy. It's more special than that. You can't boil it down to, I'm doing nothing, and you can't boil it down to, I'm going to do everything I'm supposed to do. It's so much more than that. See, Jesus responds here to this ruler. Then he answered them, you hypocrites, there's another word you could use, you actor. Does not each of you on the Sabbath untie his ox or donkey from the manger and lead it away to water? And not not this woman, a daughter of Abraham, whom Satan bound for 18 years, be loosed from this bond on the Sabbath day? And he said these things, and all adversaries were put to shame. And all the people rejoiced at all the glorious things that were being done by him. Jesus is saying, she's one of us. She is one of us, and you're treating her You're treating her being healed as less important than following one of those sub-rules about what you do with your donkeys and giving them water. Jesus is saying, you have completely missed the point of the Sabbath. You've missed it so much so that you seem to think that is okay and healing someone on the Sabbath is forbidden. Jesus gives these, uh, has talked about how, talked about how we are, just look at the flowers of the field are not... Look how well they're decorated. I care about you more than that. Jesus talks about um, birds and say they're they're special, but you're even more special. He does this a lot talking about, shows us that we are his prized possessions compared to everything else. You should look at the world and say, this is amazing. 
God is amazing. But you all should be able to look to nature and say, look how beautiful this is. God thinks I'm even more so. That's what Jesus is saying here. He's reminding them this is, this is what the Sabbath is about. Marveling in who God is. The Sabbath is about the restoration of our moral heart centered on the Sabbath. So the real question, how does the gospel see this commandment? Well, in verse 13 and verse 17, we see it. The Sabbath is about leading us to glorifying God in our hearts by remembering those two important words, remember and holy. As we remember who God is, as we strive after his holiness, the Sabbath becomes more important to us. It becomes doing what it intended to do. So I have three, just three principles here for Sabbath worship. Not rules, just aims. Things to keep you guarded as you're trying to explore how important, how wonderful, how beautiful is Sabbath. So the first one is renew. Jesus himself in Matthew 12, 1 through 8, calls himself the Lord of the Sabbath. Part of your Sabbath worship should be renewing your commitment and your faith to Jesus Christ. There should be a moment on Sunday during your worship, during your Sabbath day, where you're restoring and just, I mean, you're renewing your commitment and your faith to Jesus Christ. Reminding yourself how beautiful it is that you've been saved. Second, Mark 2, 27 to 28. Jesus tells us that the Sabbath was for us. We need to rejoice. We've been giving something, something wonderful. So it needs to be full of renewal. It needs to be full of rejoicing. And three, in Hebrews 4, we see that Sabbath, uh, while it happens on, on one day a week, is really, a, a, again, something that's kind of extending to every day of the week. It should be rejuvenating. Sabbath should be extending beyond. It should be so important to us that it's extending. It's spreading to the rest of the week. So it's renewing our heart, causing our hearts to rejoice, causing our hearts, our lives to rejuvenate. And again, and it's all focused on remembering and chasing after the holiness of God. Put it this way, on Sundays, the church leadership, our job, is to present you Jesus Christ. To take time, our focus of the week is to bring Jesus Christ in all of his glory on display here for all to see. On your side, while you are free in Christ, on your side, your job during the week is to prepare to joyfully receive and worship the marvelousness that is Jesus Christ. A warning for parents, those who have children both young and old. Some of you are bosses. Some of you are in roles of leadership. There is a extension here saying, are you doing a good job allowing those under you to prepare for and get excited for worship on Sunday? That's hard, but it is part of the command. Sabbath is about two things. Like I said, remembering that he has come to us and reminding ourselves what it would be like if he hadn't come to us. Jesus tells, tells us 
Come to me, all who labor, and you will find rest. My yoke is easy and my burden is light. Sabbath is for us. A means by which God brings that salvation further to bear in our hearts and lives. So what is promoted in this commandment? Life-giving worship. Life-giving devotion. What is prohibited? Trying to live life in faith apart from holy worship. There's a famous line from a movie I remember. A man's got to know his limitations. It's from Dirty Harry. Sabbath is about remembering that we have limitations. We need God in our life. So are you like the ruler, Gog, arguing how much we don't need to center our lives around him? Or are you like the woman, hearing Jesus calling you to worship him in spirit and truth on the Sabbath? Please pray with me. Heavenly Father, we thank you for all you are, all you've done for us. Lord, help us to seek after your holiness. Help us to remember how great it is you have come to us. Help us to remember what it would be like if you hadn't come to us. Let us rejoice. Lord, help the Sabbath to become the center point, the exciting moment of our week. In the name of your Son, Jesus Christ, amen.